You heard that safe drivers get rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw an ad for a vintage baseball cap, and now you find yourself checking the stats of that team's second baseman in 97, wondering why his stolen base total dropped after his rookie season. Wonder how much his rookie card is worth. Yes, they said it was easy to save money with Snapshot from Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. I actually thought that you would imitate Kimi Raikkonen from Russia, you know, getting a jump start in this episode and starting to speak before the opening tune actually ends, but I'm glad you did not. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that reminds me, Kunal, when do you think was the last time a driver had a jump start? Because, you know, nowadays we have bad starts, but the days of jump starts seem to have gone. I think the start procedure these days are just too very complicated. You know, you use a clutch and then you have a second paddle and all of that. So by the time the drivers actually figure it out, it's probably too late to have a <laughs> jump start and they end up having bad starts, you know, and a lot of wheel spin and all of that. But I've just remembered, you know, Valtteri Bottas, he had a perfect start from a few years ago. I think this was in 2017 and his reaction time was like two tenths after the lights actually just went out. Yeah, and then fans went crazy on the internet trying to test their reaction times as well. I think I was also one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the last time Kimi Raikkonen failed to score in four consecutive races was way back in 2002. And I'm actually remembered now that we are approaching the Japanese Grand Prix weekend. Lots of remembrances have come my, in my in my head, but... Kimi Raikkonen, uh, back in 2005, he made a last lap overtaking move on Giancarlo Fisichella to claim victory. And that was the Kimi Raikkonen we love. And we still love the Kimi Raikkonen (laughs) we actually have. But there is more history waiting for you in Lucien's Moments in Time section later in the show. So stay tuned for that, guys. Anyway, in this week's episode, we have so much to talk about. We're going to talk about Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel. Or Vettel and Leclerc, depending on who you think is the top dog (laughs) at Ferrari. I'm not taking any sides yet. Lewis Hamilton says he could fix Ferrari for the better. But for now, Lewis, can you please focus on fixing Formula 1? We are liking all the work that drivers are getting to do to influence the 2021 rule changes. We talk about why Max Verstappen may have nowhere to go unless Liberty Media does like this uh, Ecclestone-style seating matching service sometime soon, I hope. McLaren Mercedes is the biggest hint that Fernando Alonso isn't returning to Formula 1 with at least the top four teams. And I'm sure McLaren is proud to sort of now have expanded top three to top four. (laughs) And we're going to talk of alternate careers for the young Formula 1 drivers. Um, Is it Sainz versus Nico Rosberg on the YouTube front for now? The Gunther Steiner FIA episode, you know, I think it's going to make for great content for the Netflix Formula 1 show season 2 as well as for this episode. Uh, guys, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Audio Boom, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and every other audio streaming app on the internet for your weekly dose of Formula One humor. And for all our regular listeners and those who have written in, we have actually decided to do away with the background tune once the episode starts. So we tested something, it didn't work, and like Ferrari, we are reverting back to certain settings. 
And the fresh news around the corner, moving on, starting the episode. Fresh news around the corner, Japanese Grand Prix, there's a storm expected to hit and disrupt the racing weekend. The heaviest being expected on Saturday. Yeah, I hope we just have a safe race. That's the most important thing. Yes, I think I know where you're going. But I think Formula One teams are just going to have racing paper boats in Friday's free (laughs) practice. That's the feeling I get. Yeah, I think the FI and the Formula One, they're going to find a way to host the race anyway. I don't think the race is going to be cancelled. That's too big a deal. The big question, who will be the top dog at Ferrari in Suzuka? Yeah, Kunal, I think the bigger question is, if Ferrari will be the top dog at Suzuka after all? Top dog. Yes, top dog. I know you love cats. (laughs) Uh, We're going to call it top dog for now. You know, honestly, the weather and the circuit layout should bring Red Bull Racing into the equation in Japan. But anyway, top dog at Ferrari. I think everyone's just going to keep looking for signs, even the smallest ones, to literally make a judgment and claim and grab headlines. Yeah, I think for Vettel, he'd just want to make sure that he isn't out-qualified for, what, the 10th race in a row? Ouch. Yeah, although I am told that Vettel's been setting up his Ferrari for the race rather than qualifying. Well, I saw the Grill the Grid video between the Ferrari drivers and at least in that video, it was Sebastian Vettel who was the top dog. And guys, I'm sure you've realized that Mithila is a cat fan, so I'm going to keep saying the word dog. You know, but Rubbing it in our way. <laughs> but talking about that video, Vettel comprehensively beat Charles Leclerc in his knowledge of Formula 1 and Ferrari history. Yeah, and Vettel even made this very snide comment about the 1984 Formula 1 season. Uh, You know, the one where Lauda beat uh, Prost by, what, half a point and won the title. Yes. Yeah, so he told Leclerc to go ask someone who was around then about tales from that season. (laughs) Well, not too many races before things get even more cheeky between the two Ferrari drivers. Right? So, Sebastian Vettel has rated his current Formula 1 season at number minus 2. <laughs> I'm sure the interview asked for a rating on like a 0 to 10 scale. <laughs> but Vettel is just like this ultra cool kid who doesn't like ratings and he just built his own scale. How cool is he? Yes, like he has a spinning scale. Let's hope he doesn't spin in the wet Suzuka this weekend. I remember his race last year and just the number of mistakes he made. But... You know, we should we should probably move on. Yeah, I'm wondering how he got minus two and not minus three or minus one. But anyway, Vettel was also seen visiting a bookshop in Japan. And I really wonder if he was looking for Kimi Raikkonen's haiku book from last year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Vettel is really missing Kimi Raikkonen at Ferrari. I mean, I'd understand why. <laughs> <laughs> but it is good to see Sebastian Vettel show interest in books. And it's actually also like him because... You know, we're in this day and age of the Kindle. But Sebastian Vettel, of course, he still likes the paperbacks. He's an old school guy. (laughs) Not old, just old school. Anyway, uh, Lewis Hamilton posed with a Ferrari a few days ago on social media. Yeah, I think he likes to drive a Ferrari. But I don't think we're going to see him racing a Ferrari anytime this lifetime. But Hamilton said that he could change Ferrari for the better, whatever that means. And, you know, he's actually said that without even knowing what's wrong at Ferrari. Because I don't even think... Vettel knows what's wrong at (laughs) Ferrari. But anyway, it's pretty pointless to discuss this because I do not think Hamilton to Ferrari is ever going to happen. Hamilton's going to retire as an out-and-out Mercedes driver or a driver who's always raced with Mercedes power. And like we said at the start of the episode, episode, uh, Hamilton also thinks that he can fix Formula 1 right now because... 
you know, he's gone and made all these claims about how the dirty air data simulation has been shared with him by Formula One for the 2021 car and how that data looks pretty promising. So I'd rather that Hamilton fix Formula One than Ferrari. I think that's a good idea. And this is quite interesting. So Charles Leclerc said that he's more like Hamilton than Sebastian Vettel. Well, I'm not surprised. Yeah, because I think at the (laughs) moment, there are very few drivers who'd actually agree that they're even remotely like Vettel, even if they actually are. (laughs) (laughs) But Lewis Hamilton, he could win the Drivers' Championship this weekend, as could Mercedes. They could clinch their sixth Constructors' Championship this weekend. That said, yes, that's very wow. But Kunal Lewis Hamilton has got some strange connection with Mexico. Uh, He's won there the last two years. And uh, it's possible that he'll take the title in Mexico this year too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be Mexico because something needs to go horribly wrong with Valtteri Bottas' race for Lewis to win it in Japan. But... uh, you know, going back to Ferrari, they're going to return with Mission Win Now branding in Suzuka. And I really wonder how they do this. Do they really have someone sitting in the team deciding, okay, this weekend's race, guys, put on the Win Now branding. Or next weekend, remove the branding. I don't know. How <laughs> it they... could be a full-time job at Ferrari, Kunal. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Ferrari just want to bring it back because they are finally winning. You know, they're like, win now. Now we're winning. Let's do this. Yeah, I, <laughs> I get that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the joke's no longer on them. They were still laughing. How cruel. Anyway. Yeah. Mattia Binotto <laughs> has said that he wants Ferrari to reach at least last year's points tally. At the moment, they're 162 points behind or away from their last year's tally. And there are 220 points up for grabs. Yeah, honestly, for me, it makes no difference whether they get those, what, 571 points this year or not. Because honestly, they're only finishing second. And that's what finally matters. In the Drivers' Championship, Valtteri Bottas will take second place. That's almost a given. But the question is, who will want to finish third and then make the extra trip in the off-season to the FIA prize-giving ceremony. <laughs> I remember last year it was Verstappen and Kimi Raikkonen actually, and they made this huge fuss about not wanting to go to the ceremony. But thank God he did, right? Kimi Raikkonen, it was amazing <laughs> to have him there. I think Raikkonen might just have a permanent seat at the ceremony. <laughs> he was brilliant at the ceremony last year. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Verstappen's already talking about next year or the end of next year, <laughs> uh, because report What's coming in say that he isn't quite ready to commit yet to Red Bull Racing. He can make all the noises he wants, but I really doubt he's going to go elsewhere because I don't think there is space space for him elsewhere. And our suggestion of uh, Max Verstappen going to McLaren Mercedes, my God, that was met with so much opposition. I'll put it this way. Unless Liberty Media does what Bernie Ecclestone did, you know, when he was the, the emperor of Formula One, you know, he was this unofficial seat matchmaker matchmaking service yeah you could say that and he he made sure that the good drivers who were popular with the fans got a seat somewhere with the team etc so if as long as you know liberty media i mean if liberty media doesn't take that stance i don't think we're going to see max verstappen go to either ferrari or mercedes because ferrari is invested in leclerc as we know and mercedes is of course going to stay invested in lewis hamilton understandably so 
And I know it's way too early to discuss Verstappen's retirement, but I have to say this: Kunal, he's already showing signs of being a great TV pundit, <laughs> and uh, he's also urged Liberty Media to not turn Formula One artificial, you know, like American wrestling. Thank you, Max. Yeah, and then he did this whole uh, onboard camera lap review of uh, Leclerc's lap from Singapore, and then he goes on to claim that he can do it two tenths faster. You know, it's actually very interesting. The new young breed of drivers—they're they, already displaying lots of talent for alternative careers in Formula One. George Russell, we know he's good at making presentations, and he's made a CV and sent it off to Toto Wolff, and then presented to you know Frank Williams why they should hire him as their Formula One driver. Lando Norris, as we already know, is awesome at making memes. Max Verstappen is now assessing laps of his other rival drivers. And uh, maybe it's time for Charles Leclerc to prove what he can actually do in Formula <laughs> One. You know, alternative careers. He's a good dancer, if that counts for anything <laughs> at all. Well, not in the paddock, at least from what I know. <laughs> But Verstappen may not have to wait till retirement to actually have his share of assessment and views aired. You know, he could do what Carlos Sainz Jr. has started to do. Become a YouTuber. Oh, so Nico Rosberg actually has competition now. You know, Kunal. Up till now, he was like the official, undisputed world champion of YouTube videos on Formula <laughs> One. <laughs> But on a more serious note, there is merit in understanding what Helmut Marko said with regards to Red Bull Racing 2020, Max Verstappen, and all of that. I'm going to summarize it quickly. He said that Honda will match Ferrari and Mercedes for engine power in 2020, and Red Bull Racing's top priority is to make Max Verstappen the world champion next season. Of course, he said this as a response to the Verstappen camp, you know, expressing worries about Red Bull Honda's lack of performances. It just feels that it feels like every time Verstappen has like two or three bad races, his father just starts talking about moving somewhere else, <laughs> just like. Clockwork precision. You know, just because I can, I will. That's how it seems, especially in the day and age of the internet. But Helmut Marko also made an interesting assessment of Verstappen's bad races after the summer. He said that Max ended two out of the four races at the first corner. We know what happened in Spa and then in Monza. Verstappen has also spoken out against 22 races in 2020. Yes, so the news is that the World Motorsport Council has approved the 2020 Formula One calendar. We will have a record 22 races next season, and we're going to have reduced days of testing. Yeah, it was quite funny. Uh, Verstappen said that these 22 race calendars they're going to lead to divorces in the pit lane. <laughs> that's pretty philosophical yeah. for a just over 20 driver. But to each his own, Max. That's where we should leave this, right? So on to McLaren and Mercedes. I really wonder if this is the biggest hint from McLaren and from Mercedes that Fernando Alonso isn't returning to Formula One, at least with four teams. And you guys know which four teams I am referring to now. Yes, of course. And Toto Wolff said that McLaren could be a threat to Mercedes in 2021. Kunal, McLaren. Yes. In which case, I think Williams could be a threat in 2021 as well. And Toto, how about the unformed Campos Racing and even Panthera Racing team being a threat to Mercedes in 2021? Basically, everyone's a threat to Mercedes in 2021. Yeah, Kunal, we get your point. Please calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we really need to ask Toto Wolff is why he actually didn't give Red Bull Racing Mercedes engines back in 2015 or whenever they actually asked for it. I so knew this was coming. Okay, go on. <laughs> Precisely because. 
Did Wolf not give Red Bull Racing engines back then because he thought that they wouldn't be competitive? Because that's exactly the opposite of... Sully the Mercedes reputation. Yeah, I mean, he said the reason why we're not giving them is because Red Bull could become a big threat. Yeah, I, honestly, Kunal, I think Red Bull Racing might accept Mercedes engines even now. <laughs> just, just, just take them, you know. Or maybe now is when they want Ferrari engines. They're like, that's the class <laughs> of the field, and that's what we need. They want to, to get. win now. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but you know the truth is, no one wants those damn Renault engines. I wonder if Cyril is going to blame the FIA for Renault's lack of performances and the fact that nobody wants Renault's engines as well, because in the last two weeks. Almost all of his statements that I have heard are about blaming the FI for something or the other that actually he and Renault should take the blame for. Ouch. By the way, I have one last point before we move to Renault. And uh, uh, speaking of McLaren, so way back in 2009, Ron Dennis actually asked Nick Fry for bronze uh, aero data. And Kunal, this was a few years after their whole Spygate scandal. Uh, you know, the one that cost McLaren and Mercedes, what, like $100 million or something crazy and fine. But this was just such a surprising story to emerge. I'll tell you what was actually more surprising. The more surprising part was that Nick Fry actually shared the data. Yeah, I hope it was shared officially. <laughs> <laughs> well, no spy gate number two there. Yeah, but... $100 million plus interest. <laughs> yeah, I think Formula One teams collude sometimes and they do it, you know, to ensure that the sport is healthy. And I think it's fair. It happens across brands, across sectors. So do not be surprised. In fact, Bernie Ecclestone said uh, this very statement for Mercedes and uh, Ferrari a few years ago, especially when Ferrari suddenly started catching Mercedes, uh, you know, in, in, in the Formula One championships. Okay, so let's start talking about Renault and then we're going to talk about Haas. Oh my God, Kunal, so many exciting things happening in the paddock. So anyway, Cyril says that the team is bracing for a Ricardo versus Ocon rivalry in 2020. I just hope that this rivalry isn't for 15th and 16th place in the race or something of that <laughs> sort. It would be really lowly to see such talented drivers fighting at the bottom end of the grid. But having said that, we saw Fernando Alonso fighting for those spots last year. So who knows what's going to happen. But Mark Weber believes that Ricardo made the wrong, made the wrong choice to go to Renault, like we all believe. And even Daniel Ricardo probably believes by now. And uh, Weber also hopes what we all hope, that Ricardo is able to get out of Renault unscathed. Ricardo's actually already given Renault the 2021 cross-the-bridge ultimatum. Uh, but increasingly, it seems to me that his statements conf confirm one thing. Uh, that he's being paid to drive, of course, and he's been paid to say good things about Renault. Yes, he's like, how much did he say? About $50 million in two years? He's yeah, like a very cool well-spoken head of corporate communications for the Renault F1 team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he's getting paid for that as well. <laughs> well, the other news from the Ricardo camp is that he has settled his court case with his former manager, and it's cost him a cool $12 million. Now, thank God that Daniel Ricciardo isn't funding Renault's aero update because $12 million is a lot of body work that he could have got to Renault. Maybe a couple of tents in there in Daniel Ricciardo's court settlement. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kunal on Haas. So I am convinced that this, you know, there's this whole outburst um, 
uh, coming from Gunther Steiner himself and the supposed penalty from the FIA. And Kunal, I am convinced that all of this is an act. It's a put on for Netflix. Ouch. Wait, listen, hear me out. So we know that Steiner, he was like literally the most popular star from the first season of the Drive to Survive Netflix show, right? Yes, no, this so is an interesting... he has to keep his world championship on Netflix, right? <laughs> I never thought of it from this <laughs> angle. But guys, here's a quick re- recap. So uh, in Russia, Gunther Steiner said not so many good things about an FIA steward after Magnussen's penalty. And post-race, he actually refused to apologize either. So that's why this whole Steiner FIA story is suddenly going to blow up on our and Haas's faces in Japan. That's true, because Steiner should realize that it is only Sebastian Vettel who can get away with messing with the <laughs> FIA. I mean, I just remo- remembered that radio message where it was like, beep, 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 I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we actually have kids listening to our show, so thank you for beeping it out without having to use the machines. <laughs> the Inside Line F1 podcast is a family entertainer. Thanks. Wholesome family entertainment, you know, Formula <laughs> One all the way. The dogs of our <laughs> listeners also appreciate our content okay, just so you know. <laughs> right so back to Steiner and the FIA the FIA is actually thinking of a harsh penalty for Gunther Steiner it could be a financial penalty for the team or even a suspension from a few races or docking championship points for the team I think that a financial penalty would be the harshest uh, we know that Haas has already lost money via the rich energy sponsor loss and Kunal, the ninth place finish means really low earnings from 2019 as well. So that's going to pinch. And it's been reported that the team actually spent 22% higher in 2018 than they did in 2017. And the good part is that Haas is aware that their lack of performance is down to correlation issues. Basically, the numbers from the wind tunnel do not match the actual numbers on the racetrack. Funny how Ferrari had correlation issues, right? Earlier in the season as well. Well, okay, I got that underhanded comment <laughs> on the Ferrari Haas link. Yeah, but you never know. Mm-hmm. But moving on. So since we know that all the 20 Formula 1 drivers are listening to this episode before they sort of gear up for the next race, uh, Romain Grosjean wants you guys to be gentlemanly on the opening lap of all the races going forward. Kunal, I think even if every other Formula 1 driver listens... Kevin Magnussen is not going to listen to this, simply because it's Romain Grosjean <laughs> saying this. <laughs> and because it's Kevin Magnussen, you know, yeah. the, the good, bad boy of Formula One. But we're running over time, so here are some quick notes before we start wrapping up the show. IndyCar has successfully tested the aero screen for the next season, and to me it seems like a halo with glass. So, two new teams are supposedly thinking of joining Formula One, a Russian team and a Spanish team. You know, at least three seasons ago on our podcast, we spoke about how it could be a USA versus Russia in Formula One as well. Now, that would mean, uh, you know, Haas versus SMP Racing, the Russian team that's thinking of getting into Formula One, which means that SMP could have Vitaly Petrov as team boss, you know, the guy who denied uh, Fernando Alonso, I think it was a 20. 
2010 World Championship. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah 2010 World Championship in Abu Dhabi, and that's what uh, Sebastian Vettel won out there. But anyway, Vitali as the team boss, Danny Kivat as the number one driver for the team. My God, finally, Danny Kivat gets number one driver status. <laughs> the second driver could be. Sergey Sirotkin, okay, who's always been waiting for a drive but hasn't necessarily got one just after one season. Robert Schwartzman, the Formula Three champion, could be the reserve driver. Yeah, I like how you solved their entire driver lineup headache for free. Uh, I think we might get a call from a certain Mr. Putin asking why we didn't include him in the lineup, <laughs> and then we'd have to make some quick calls and reverse everything. But The Spanish team—they've named Pascal Verlaine and some other driver. And uh, the strange thing is, they didn't even mention Fernando Alonso. Jean Todd has spoken in favor of the budget cap, even though he admits that seven out of the ten teams wouldn't be impacted impacted by the cap because they anyway spend lower than the cap. Honestly, even if it means that the top three teams spend less and it helps narrow the performance gap, why not, Kunal? And I'd say a lesser waste of money. Ouch! <laughs> I mean, let's admit it, guys. The money spent in Formula One annually by all the teams and the FI and everyone put together could be used to solve other more grave problems that we face. In the world. Okay, I think before you get too further with that thought, I think we're just going to hand it over to Lucien for his moments in time section. Here you go, guys. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. From extreme heat to typhoons, halting qualifying sessions and interfering with races, Japan has had it all. It is a favorite amongst drivers and fans alike, and usually, if not always, produces a good race. Though, is always visually spectacular. And has left us with Formula One history that cannot be forgotten. Think of Kimi Raikkonen's last win for McLaren in 2005, taking the lead from Fisichella into Turn One on the last lap. Think of Alan McNish's career-ending 130R crash in the Toyota in 2002, or Senna screaming in his helmet when he won the title in 1988, and of course the two crashes between Senna and Prost in '89 and '90, the latter giving Alessandro Nannini his one and only Formula One victory. Oh, and with Senna in mind, '93 saw the arrival of Irv the Swerve, Eddie Irvine, who had the audacity to unlap himself in the Jordan, infuriating Senna so much that he punched Eddie after the race. You cannot ask for much more from a track. Great racing, many title deciders, passionate fans, and even a couple of historical Japanese results, with Aguri Suzuki making the podium in '1990 and Kamui Kobayashi doing the same in 2012. Who can forget his drive in 2009 on debut? We thought we finally had a Japanese world champion in the making. Ironically, he was out of Formula One just after securing his first ever career podium. And what about Takuma Sato, everybody's favorite Japanese driver? He always fared well at Suzuka, as did Satoru Nakajima. Let us not forget the 2014 life-ending crash for Jules Bianchi. He was to lose traction in the wet. And career off into a standing tractor crane. He is still talked about in reverential tones to this day, having been highly rated, liked, and pretty much guaranteed a Ferrari career. Finally, in recent years, Suzuka has belonged to Mercedes, like the majority of circuits in the hybrid era. But it wasn't that long ago that Red Bull dominated here with Sebastian Vettel, and not long before that, it was a Ferrari-favored track. With recent Ferrari form and upgrades for Red Bull. It is impossible to predict who will win this time. My money is on Hamilton. He is always there or thereabouts. 
Well, that's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Catch you later. Okay, thank you so much, Lucien. My most memorable moment from Suzuka has to be in 2006 when Michael Schumacher's Ferrari engine failed while he was in the lead of the race. And I'm sure if you guys go back and listen to all the other last six seasons of our episode just before Japan, I would have probably said the same thing. (laughs) I would have spoken of Schumacher's retirement from the 2006 Japanese Grand Prix. Yeah, but Kunal, I'm surprised because I never thought that a Schumacher engine failure would be a memorable moment for you. But look at you, full of surprises. Yeah, so this was memorable because instead of getting back to the pits and and, you know, throwing his helmet and fuming and throwing his gloves around like we see a lot of drivers do. He went and hugged each and every team member. It was such a touching moment because, you know, this was despite knowing that he had actually lost the world championship that season due to that engine failure in Japan. Okay, so we're just going to get straight to predictions for Japan. Kunal, your turn. Now, This is where it gets really tough because we predict way before the Japanese Grand Prix. We don't know what the weather is going to be like. But I get this feeling that the podium will consist of drivers from three different teams. That's very safe of you. But I am not picking the one (laughs) top dog yet. That is very safe of you. Oh my God. So uh, I'm going to stick my neck out a little bit and say that Hamilton will clinch his title here in Suzuka. And Kunal, can you imagine him doing it in front of all these crazy Japanese Formula 1 fans? That'll be a moment to cherish. That would be a historic moment. Sixth World Championship title for Lewis Hamilton if he actually wins it in Japan or in Mexico. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for staying tuned right till the very end of our episode. Our statistics have told us that nearly 80% of our listeners stay on right till the very end. So thank you so much once again, and we will see you after Japan. Adios. Or sayonara. Which one is it?